0: Alan knows that I'm like, <laughs> I'm terrible <laughs> with this stuff. I'm terrible with this stuff. But Alan, how, how many have you been to? Elite 11s? Yeah.
1: Oh, boy. You know what? Not as many as you might think because I don't live on the West Coast so for a long time. I know. We just had our West Coast guys out there. I've probably been to like five. I, went, I think I went to all of them when they were in Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so I was there the Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields year which was one of the most like historic mm-hmm. kind of years because we I don't think we'd ever had two guys quite like that in in the same spot.
0: Well, not two guys like that, that but people are really high on this class. Um the 2021 class. I mean, you got Gavin Winsett going to Rutgers. You got It's funny because at least from our uh, team nobody was really high on um on, on on Klubnik, and he ended up he ended up winning. I mean, what do you think about him? So I can totally
1: see that because being somebody who he was out of my region, just somebody that I watched in passing, I was I was kind of the same way. I was like, this is this guy, I don't know, and I and I kind of felt the same way a little bit about Ty Simpson because they're not guys that I think jump off the page at you with measurables. The film is good, but it's you're not like, whoa. And when you see those guys in person, it it gave me so much more of an appreciation for both of them. Because you get you get to see the thing with high school stuff is you're watching highlights and you're going off with measurables. Now you get to see consistency. You get to see how they go through drills. I mean a lot of that benefit was like Ty Simpson and Klubnik look like two guys that will coach football after they're done. Like those guys are leading drills. Those guys are snapping for the other quarterbacks. To the extent that that kind of stuff matters, I think both of those guys really seemed like leaders. But then when it came time to throw the football, those guys were really, really consistent. Like you just hardly ever saw a wayward ball out of of those guys. Whereas a lot of the time you do catch guys who have some big highs and some low lows. Those guys were always on the mark.
0: Alan True, at Alan True on Twitter, national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports Uh, joining me and Colin at CampusDeCant.com. Alan, what was your biggest takeaway, you would say, from um, this year's Elite 11 competition?
1: You know, the biggest takeaway to me was the depth and the quality of this group from really top to bottom. Um, Narrowing it down to 11, uh, we kind of try to mirror them and and name our own 11 with a different kind of rubric. And once you got down to like seven, eight, through 15, 16, it really was a tight race. And that's not really always the case at this sort sort of thing. I think in other years you've seen a lot more separation. You've seen a lot more drop off. This year it was extremely gradual from one all the way to the bottom. Um and, and usually you find a handful of guys that you're really like, oh maybe that person didn't belong here. Didn't really see that as much with this group. Um, so I, I think that This is a deep quarterback group going in and and maybe it has something to do with, I think more than ever, kids have a lot of private quarterback training now more so than in the past. So I think a lot of these guys have done some of these drills. Uh, Kids do a lot more seven on seven kids are are throwing a lot more footballs than I think in the early years of the elite 11, or maybe it it just happens to be a good year. But I thought that, like I said, normally you you really kind of throw out a handful and go, those guys definitely aren't in it this year. Everybody was kind of, very kind of even there's a lot of parity in this group i thought
2: so i know this year the the 2022 class has kind of been deemed ewers and everybody else so when you were at the event here it, it kind of and just based on everything that i'm you're hearing and reading coming out of it has the gap between ewers and these other guys narrowed a little bit
1: well that's an interesting question and it takes you back to how much stock you want to put in this one event Um, And that's a debate every year is how much does this really matter? I think going into the event, you would have expected Quinn to win it and you would have expected there to be a pretty good margin. And he didn't do that. Does that mean that those guys are a lot closer to him than we thought? Well, you kind of throw two, three years of scouting out the window for four days if you do that, you know? So I still think we came out of it feeling like he's the best quarterback in the country And there's little doubt about that. But we did start to feel like, hey, maybe Nick should be inching towards five-star status. Maybe Connor Wigman and Walker Howard and some of these guys are better than we thought. Maybe even Kate Hauser going to Michigan State, Taven Jackson going to Tennessee, some of the guys that were more like low four-star, high three-star prospects. Devin Brown going to USC was outstanding. So maybe there is a little bit, like I said, more of a gradual decline from one down to 15, 16, 17 than previously expected. But I don't think we came out of it feeling like Quinn isn't the, that there's any debate that Quinn isn't the
0: number one guy. Well, I mean, that leads to a natural follow-up question is, is how much does it um, affect their recruiting ranking and their standing in 24 rankings, the, the outcome of the elite 11 competition,
1: I think you're. It's kind of like you know you guys and you guys follow the draft and things like that a lot. It's a little bit like Senior Bowl week or Combine week where you're looking for confirmation of some things or you're looking for something that just way doesn't belong. Like the tape really, really lied to us. This guy is absolutely not what we expected. If if, if a guy is not quite what you expected, but is at least in the ballpark, then you, you don't want to go adjusting too much. Like I said, off of four days where these guys are doing. Like there was one um, the accuracy challenge. Some of those guys said they didn't know that they were doing that till 10 minutes before the drill started. And it's a very unusual drill. So, you know, only so much stock to put into that. But I do think when you see guys really excel at stuff like that, like Nick did, and we know him to be more than a shorts and T-shirts guy. If a guy's just a camp guy, then that's one thing. But if he's already got the tape, he's already winning games in high school like he has and Ty Simpson has, and then they show that they're also good in this setting and they, they do those drills and they pick up those things quickly, then I think it stands to improve the ranking of those guys a lot more. Um, as far as like dropping guys, try not to do that too much off of one event unless I said like it's just a crazy outlier where um, you see things that you didn't pick up on tape. If a guy just doesn't perform well because he's not used to the drills or it's an unusual setting or they played seven on seven but they've never thrown to these receivers in their lives, then I think that we we have to take a lot of that with a grain of salt.
2: So uh, I know you also wrote up a little bl- bit of a blurb on Luther Richardson. Um, so you were mentioning that this kind of has a bit more of an impact on maybe like the lower guys like Richardson, where he's a three star guy, uncommitted, you know, and he ends up being one of the elite 11, which maybe not, you know, would have been something you predicted at the beginning of it. Um, you know, what kind of an impact does it have on a guy? having a performance like that on a guy who's a three-star guy. And I know you said you don't want to swing too much based on four days, but you know, when it's, it seems like he vastly outperformed his three-star composite rating.
1: Yeah. We already kind of felt like that when he he came to the regional in Indianapolis and I saw him there, I was like, who is this guy?
2: And then it's
1: one of those things where you're like, I need further confidence. I don't want to, you know, jump too much off of one day. you see him again. So he's definitely a guy we're going to have to discuss a lot. And I I think it's going to be kind of polarizing. Already was this week when we were talking about who to put in, who to put out. Luther was a guy that there's some debate on our staff because, you know, I think uh, for some of the guys on our staff who are a little bit more um, cautious about wanting to bump him way up, they feel like his film maybe doesn't match what you see in person. So then do you wait till the fall to see if this is a guy, you're catching a guy on a rise and maybe he's going to go out and just kill it as a, as, as a senior, but I think there's little doubt that after seeing him throw for four days here and then one time at the regional that I think he is probably better than his ranking. And he's definitely better, I think, than his offer list um, currently. And and this is the sort of thing that can really bump a guy up, not just in the rankings, but in his recruitment. We saw it a couple of years ago with CJ Stroud was not this like big time big time name and the elite 11 really kind of made him the same thing with Hunter Deckers. That was at Iowa state. He was not a known guy. He was really the second quarterback in that class. And it became, he became a guy off of his camp and elite 11 performances. So Luther Richardson could kind of fall in line with those two.
0: Alan, did you come away with some impressions that you were learning from the first time or was was there something that you didn't know or that you learned and that you were surprised by
1: Maybe nothing. I mean, our guys are, are pretty thorough, especially with quarterbacks. So a lot of their things we've, we've talked about on our conference calls and we keep a pretty detailed sheet of notes that I was able to read through and see on each guy before I got there. So I think, like I said, about some of the guys like Club Nick and Simpson and those guys who we we like their intangibles and, and weren't as sure about, you know, physically. What is their tool set? Being able to see those guys live and see the ball come out of their hands was, was impressive. So those were, those were the things that really jumped out to me most as far as anything new that I learned. I think we maybe unfairly dubbed those guys as winners, good high school quarterbacks, and maybe didn't uh, give enough credit to their arm talent. Or maybe I didn't because those I came out of the week going, these guys could throw the football with anybody.
2: Yeah, so that's, I mean, obviously, you know, we at, at Camps to Canton, um, you know, we're, we try to scout, you know, we do some amateur stuff, but obviously, you, we're not a professional scout like you are. Um, but it, the general consensus among our group was that Cade Klubnick, um, you know, maybe didn't have a great arm, you know, and it seems like he's more of a spread quarterback. So there's not a ton of opportunities, at least from what I watched, where he's really pushing the ball downfield. So we kind of questioned whether he could do that. Does that and that was our biggest question with him. Did he answer that question for you there? Like, do you think his arm strength is is up there on par with some of these other guys now?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know that it's like elite this howlitzer for an arm. Like Malik Murphy, who's going to Texas, has just an absolute rocket. Like, I don't I don't know that Cade's up in that stratosphere, but I don't think it's a concern to put it that way. I think going in, it was like this might be a question mark. I don't think it is anymore. And they throw every possible kind of ball in this camp throughout the course of three days. They do every throw in the book from a drop back and then they make them do all the same throws again on the move off platform. So you really get to see if a guy can drop back and drive it there. And then if he's flushed out, can he make that same throw and Cade was on the money on every single one of those. So I don't, I don't have any question marks about that.
0: Alan, Jakari Brown is going to Miami as a, player who um, we expect his rushing ability to be a big portion of his game. Is there a player or players who benefited the most from this style of competition as opposed to the others that you would expect to perform well? Uh, Maybe Klubnik is one of those guys. Maybe there's somebody else um, that you would expect to perform well at this type of competition.
1: Yeah, I think the guys that you take away their legs like that, like Jakari Brown, even Weigman is a runner, and you know you took away that part of his game. Um, but I think so. The a guy, any guy who was a pure thrower, this is going to benefit. And I think the guys who have done the drills before, who are, have, have have like I said, have had some quarterback training. I've seen guys run through the Elite Eleven script with their private quarterback trainer. Richardson's cor- head coach is Trent Dilfer, who's part of the Elite Eleven, so I'm sure Luther knew a lot of what to expect. So I think those guys have some benefit because uh, they, they've, they've wrapped some of these things out. Whereas some of these other guys, again, like I'm not sure they've thrown a ton of balls where you're simulating a rusher coming in from your right as a right-handed quarterback, they're rolling left and having to hit a standstill target on the move. You could see some guys struggle through those a little bit and then kind of recalibrate themselves. And then you could see other guys who was like, it, where it was like, Oh, this is second nature to me. By this point in time. So, I, I definitely think that um, the guys who are are dual kind of run threats, this isn't always the best setting for them.
2: So, and I know you said at the beginning too um, that some of these quarterbacks had said that they didn't know they were going to do that accuracy drill like ahead of time. So, uh, these drills like kind of scripted out uh, a little bit more, like because I know you mentioned Dilfer works with the Elite 11. So, Richardson kind of knew what to expect, whereas some of these other guys maybe didn't but could they have found those drills somewhere else
1: i'm not sure i I think for the most part or you could look at what they do in other years i'm pretty sure all that video was out there if you really wanted to go through and take the time to find it i don't know that those guys all so the accuracy one i think was the one that maybe threw everybody off the most because what you're doing is you're going down in a gauntlet and there's a target there's an elite 11 target and like i said you're throwing it five throws on a drop back and then you're doing the same thing again but being flushed out. You're doing it on the move and they chart you based on, did you hit the target or did you throw through the center of the target? There's like, it's, it looks like, um, you know, in the NBA uh, all-star challenge where they used to pass through that little ring, there's a ring with a, you know, did you hit the outside of the ring or did you throw through the center of it and you get points for that? And then they chart the accuracy winner. And some of the guys said they didn't know, know to expect that. And you're also throwing your time. So you're throwing a ton of balls. I think you're seeing how many you can, Get to in three minutes, and they kind of move you station to station. And I think we had two or three guys puke from the heat. <laughs> and you're moving fast. I was like, <laughs> the first guy went, and by the end, you know, but you're being flushed to the left. Like I said, and by the end, guys are like jogging it, and I'm going. This must be way more tiring than it looks to me standing over here because these guys are struggling. And then, sure enough, a couple guys later, a uh, couple guys, a couple guys lost their breakfast. <laughs>
0: Twenty four seven have has published their final rankings for the Elite Eleven competition. Klubnik uh, is number one. Of course, he's headed to Clemson. Devin Brown, who's going to UC, uh, USC, is number two. Walker Howard headed to LSU is number three. Um, Connor Wegman going to Texas A and M is number four. Just the number five is uh, Luther Richardson, who Richardson, who is not yet committed, is number five. Allen. Who were you most impressed by? Was it Club Nick? Was it someone else?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I was in agreement with Club Nick being number one, although I thought he would be in competition to be number one. The guy who maybe surprised me the most was Malik Murphy because he hasn't played a ton of football. And there is a lot of, I mean, you want to talk about what said polarizing earlier. That's a guy that we've argued about a lot in the rankings, and the fans are always asking about and arguing about because there's not a ton to go on there. And then I come in and I hear the profile on this guy is that this is, it's going to be a little bit all over the place. And the first night he was outstanding. You could argue he was the best guy out there, I think on, on night one. And I, I was like, well, I hear he's up and down. i am seeing all these ups. I'm waiting for the down still. And he didn't really experience that. Maybe till the end and seven on seven a little bit, but he was probably the guy that I at least knew what to expect going in because the profile was a little bit like depends on who you listen to and who you read. And so I was expecting a much more raw, inconsistent guy, but I came out of that going, this guy really has a chance to be good, I think.
2: Um, And then another guy that I wanted your opinion on here. It's just an an unbiased, completely unbiased source here. Um, Why is Drew Aller going (laughs) to be the greatest quarterback uh, of this (laughs) class and possibly of all time?
1: So I'm, he's my guy in the (laughs) Midwest, right? So I've been, I've been driving the Drew Aller train, but I think the entire rest of our national staff is like this, this guy, like immediately five minutes into the First day, our one of our West Coast guys, national guys, Brandon Huffman came to me, who was Drew Aller, is a stud. Uh, I mean, he's He was the most physically, like other than Malik, those two are probably the physically biggest guys there. Drew can make all the throws, and, and he does it really well off-platform. He's not, you know, to almost talk about it like a musician, he's not classically trained. He actually didn't grow up playing quarterback. So you see where some of these guys – are like perfect mechanically drew can throw it from all different sorts of angles. He can contort himself. He, he does, he works on a lot of that stuff. I know his quarterback coach, so I know the things that they work on. He gets Josh Allen a lot. I'm not sure I love that comparison because Josh Allen, I think is much more of a runner than he is, but I see where people want to make that comparison. Um, but I do think Drew Aller is like, what we said was he looks like a classic big 10 quarterback, but then he's got some of this new age stuff of being able to, throw from different angles um so to answer your the non-biased question that was thrown out there he's he's got all the tools in the book and he's got and he's still and he's still getting better he's only really played quarterback i think for two years
2: and and i'm the bias comes in because i'm a huge penn state fan so (laughs) his
0: co-host his co-host on his on his other show is um a huge Pitt fan so there's a bit of a rivalry there
1: (laughs) well our same guy goes uh you know, it comes up to me because Drew wears 14 and he goes, because of the 14 and kind of how he looks in the face, it kind of reminds me of Christian Hackenberg. And I was like, I don't know if you want to post that on our Penn State site at all. <laughs> Nothing against Christian, but.
0: Yeah. Alan, last year's class was the COVID class. Um, Kyle McCord, Tyler Buechner, uh, Sam Heward, J.J. McCarthy. How would you compare this coming in- incoming class with last year's class? Well that's a great question.
1: Um because especially cuz I didn't get to go to this competition last year and see some of those guys and then didn't get an All-Star game to see some of these guys that so I feel like I'm flying much more blind with that group than this group. I think that last year we had a lot more quarterbacks concentrated towards the top. Um, all those guys that you just mentioned, I think were top 40 guys and we had Brock Vandergriff was in a top 40 as well. So you had a lot of quarterbacks concentrated in the top 50. I think that has a chance to happen in this class. Like I said, club Nick and some of these guys are making a play to move up. But uh, I think this class is more even uh, like what I said earlier, one through 20, much more even last year's, I think may have been a little bit more top heavy than what we've got this year though.
2: Um, and one thing, I mean, we can watch, you know, as, as amateur scouts here, you know, we can watch all the highlights. We can watch all of the film that we want. One thing that we don't get to see at all is any of the classroom work. Um, And I know that's a, that's a portion of this event. Did you get to see any of that? Did you hear anything about that? And if so, was there anyone in particular that stood out in that aspect?
1: We didn't get to see any of the classroom work. We do. The nice thing about being there and live on the field is you do get to hear these guys get coached and you get to hear them explain the drill, and then you get to see who does it right, and who doesn't do it right. And we talked to the staff afterwards about who, you know, who's picking things up and, Uh, You know, this class, they had a lot of great things to say about it. I think Club Nick and uh, Ty Simpson are two guys. Again, I think those guys will coach after they're done. Ty Simpson is the son of a coach. Just when he came through the interview room, we were, we were, he left and everybody goes, wow, like that was one of the most mature, like good interviews that we've done. And he, and he he already spoke like a, like a coach. So I think those guys stood out from that standpoint and the elite 11 we don't really put that in our ratings at the end of the week, but they do. So when you see that top 11, that's not just the week. That is what happened during the week on the field, what happened during the week in the classroom. And then it's their film evaluation as well. Cause their goal isn't to tell you who the best 11 quarterbacks for four days are. The goal is to tell you who the best 11 quarterbacks in the country are. So film is a part of it for them too, a big part of it. People kind of debate whether or not that should be, but if they're trying to tell you who the best quarterbacks are, the film has to matter. So We aren't privy as much to the classroom stuff, but we do kind of find out in our own way and try to observe as much as we can to see who's picking that stuff up.
0: Alan True, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can find him at Alan True on Twitter. Alan, thank you for joining us. Anytime,
1: guys. Thanks for having me. I need to know everything. Who and what and where I need everything trust me i hear what you saying
0: that was good man we appreciate it yeah yeah that was awesome
1: anytime yeah, anytime you need to know something about recruits, i'm happy to do it
0: <laughs> i need to bring you around so that you know people will believe me when i say i played you know i played football <laughs> I'm not <laughs> this 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 talker. I played more with Alan than I did on the real team. So, uh. <laughs> well, in
1: my line of work, people question it all the time because it's like, what do you do I you would know? too. Yeah. If you if I saw <laughs> Alan,
0: I'd be like, "There's no way that dude can spin it." But that <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> can spin. He can spin. It. I'm not I'm not I'm not lying to you. I was like, "Oh shit, okay."
1: I had him be before we ever spoke. I'm ready I I uh, I worked harder to win flag football championships than I did in high school. So was like part of me. Maybe it's just part of my own maturity growing up. That I was like, Man, if I had like put this much time in high school football, maybe I would have been better. Turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. We were out there, we were always out there running around. And then, and then
0: they they got got the indoor facility, like right when we were well, you probably graduated, but they got the indoor facility, I think, my junior year.
1: Yeah, you probably don't know this story because those guys still wanted to. I I was a year ahead of Craig and all those guys, and they wanted to play still. And they're like, What are we gonna do? Like, Like, without. Right, right. So I signed up for, you had to get, that was the year they went to G numbers, remember? They were like, just sign up for a class and get a G number and play. I was like, it's not a bad idea. I'm still living near campus. So I signed up for the class, got my G number, signed up for flight football, dropped the class, and then wasn't taking a class, played the entire season. We won the t-shirt. And at the end, they were like, were you supposed to be playing? And I was like, "Never mind. keep my t-shirt.